Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. If any other corporation that's even remotely close to our size, I would say, you know, really understand your user base and try to get together personas that will suit your users' needs, right? And that's something right now that we're, we're working through because now that the migration is over, learning more about your user base is, is a blessing. Welcome to another episode of the Shift Happens Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raymond Sai, Modern Workplace Professional, Microsoft MVP and Regional Director. You know, we're so excited today to be joined by Jess Flesh, Project Management Professional, CISSP, Manager of IT under the Enterprise Communication Collaboration Group at FedEx. Uh, it's, a little, it's a little company, but uh, <laughs> we all rely on FedEx. So Jess, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, it's it's always exciting to talk about how big companies that are far along in their digital transformation journey, because they tend to encounter and solve some of the most trickiest problems out there. So is that what attracted you to this uh, role at FedEx? Uh, and, and how long have you been there? So actually, I've, I've only been here for uh, about 10 months. I started in January of this year. And so the, uh, the, the what challenged me in this role is is, you know, to bring technology and new ways of doing things um, and start start bringing in new ideas. And, you know, FedEx is right now going through um, some IT transformations. We are getting rid of a lot of our old legacy systems that people have been relying on for years and years and years, um, getting everything off-prem, moving to the cloud. And, you know, that that takes um, a strong group of people to come in and, and want to move other people's cheese. And I really thought that that would be a fun opportunity. Um, and, you know, I've also always worked for some kind of tech company. And so working for a company that is based in logistics and essentially an airline, uh, I thought would be a fun opportunity to learn something um, different. So my first non-IT company. So speaking of IT companies, so what was your previous background and what led you to FedEx? Certainly outside of IT, there's other types of organizations out there. What, what attracted you the most? So I used to work for CenturyLink, um, who's a very big ISP. And I really enjoyed my time there. And, um, you know, my husband and I just thought it's it's kind of time to get rid of, uh, get rid of the one hour each way commute and to start looking towards, you know, where we want to put our roots. And so we looked at Memphis, we looked at the state of Tennessee, and, you know, FedEx was just one of those companies that everybody you talk to about the company, everyone said, oh, that's a great company. You know, they're they're very big on people. Um, and so, you know, it just seemed like a no-brainer that that's the kind of company that I wanted to go work for, Um being that CenturyLink also had very similar values. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, be picked up and um, 
and really enjoying my time here. Amazing. And certainly, regardless of the type of company, be it IT or non-IT or logistics company or airlines, you describe is it comes down to people, right? Um, the effectiveness of how a company grows and how a company flourishes. And, and I know FedEx has been throughout this journey around Office 365 specifically. So when you got there, what, what, what did the landscape look like? How was adoption like? And what were some of the tricky problems or, or opportunities, if we put it that way, that uh, that's task for you to take on? So when I got here, uh, the migration to O365 uh, was, you know, underway. And by and large, I think a lot of people were, um, they were actually excited about the change. And I think that's because the implementation group did a really good job um, advertising this. Um, we did, you know, pop-up banners in each one of our major uh, campus buildings. We did email campaigns. Um, there were, uh, there was a champions uh, group, teams group set up that basically invited all of our early adopters to that group so they could uh, you know, collaborate and share ideas about how, you know, how, how can teams work in, in our environment. Um, and then those folks would then go out and basically, um, you know, organically grow that within their individual groups. And it's, it's very interesting to see, um, you know, how each, each organization uses um, the Microsoft products. And um, I know that uh, AppPoint will be at Ignite next week, so I am very excited for you guys to see the video um, that will be shown at Ignite um, that is basically FedEx and um, uh, O365 rollout related. Um, so some of our folks are in that video, and you'll see, you'll get to see um, how, how they use this. So it, it was very exciting. So can you share some examples that you can talk about uh, that, that you thought was distinct and, and really, at the end of the day, help them do their jobs better, faster, sooner, especially around Teams and Office 365? Well, so one of the examples, um, and I don't know that this actually made the video cut, but, you know, we've got a lot of field folks out there. And, you know, to be able to take their phone and flip it around and show somebody back at the office what they're looking at and say, okay, this is what I'm looking at. I need a little bit of help here. You know, what can I do? And, and being able to have that, um, you know, it, it's kind of like a FaceTime, but without the, the need for a network connection. Not only that, but being able to access their OneDrive straight from their mobile devices, uh, share files, and, you know, just, just to be able to even um, edit a PowerPoint presentation concurrently being on opposite sides of the globe. As you know, we, we are in 220 different countries. So at any given time, you will be, uh, you know, collaborating with somebody that, you know, is in the middle of the night and, and your daytime, but you can still work concurrently on something. And that's, to me, that's also, you know, really cool to see it happen real time. So it sounds like the adoption ranges from folks in corporate offices to the folks out in the field or, uh, as we call your first-line colleagues, they may be in, in, in an airport hangar loading or they may be delivering stuff. Is that correct, pretty much? Yes, absolutely. Wow. And I think you'll see in the, the video that um, there's a, a particular uh, clip that shows um, an airline maintenance tech um, actually out on the airfield in front of a plane. Um, 
doing something or troubleshooting something. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's actually, that wasn't just staged for that video, but that is actually happening day in and day out. Um, and so, you know, I'm just excited about, you know, seeing how else we can further the adoption um, of these products within our company. And have you gotten feedback uh, around how they're doing things differently in, in, in a much better way now? Essentially, people are excited, like, look, what else can we do? This is really good. Like, you know, five, six months ago or a year ago, it took us X number of hours or days to get something done. Now, because of visibility and we work together, uh, it's much more efficient and effective. Have you gotten stories like that? Yeah, absolutely. We have. Um, and it's funny you bring that up because in our Champions Network, we actually have a channel within that team um, called Success Stories. Mm. So it's a place where folks can come back and sort of, you know, um, share their stories of success with everybody else, right? So there was a particular story about um, somebody uh, kind of in in an audit type situation. And normally they were explaining that information gathering and you know, sharing of communication would all be living in email, going back and forth and back and forth and not quite remembering, you know, who had already gotten to what. And so that user said that they took it entirely into teams and they really liked the fact that they could make it a private team so they could, you know, kind of protect the information that they were working on. And it eliminated the need for email back and forths. And so they were a lot more productive in what they were doing because they could see just pretty much in a single pane of glass, um, you know, what needed to be done. And, you know, I really, really love the connectors um, that you can bring into teams such as Planner. And, you know, our our group uses Planner because we have so many different things uh, project-wise going on across my director org. So just, you know, looking into that Planner and being able to see who's doing what, what's been assigned to who um, is also, you know, a really cool feature. Yeah, and, and it's ever expanding, right? It's it's beyond just the Microsoft stack. I mean, Microsoft's pushing for all these different apps coming to the store, and then you've got chatbots, and it's just limitless opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I think more than anything, um, the reason I feel like it is such a success is because every day on that Champions Network, somebody's always asking me, when are you guys going to enable Sway? When mm. are you going to let us do you know, Power BI, when are you going to enable Power Apps? And so that tells me that they are wanting to use even more of the product than we've released. Obviously, you know, we've got to go through a lot of, um, you know, security protocol and making sure that, you know, that we don't um, make this the wild, wild west where everybody's just, you know, building things on their own. But um, the fact that they're asking us for for more and more is is really um is, is really nice. Yeah, it's, it's a positive sign. I mean, it's really exciting, especially thinking about the scale of your organization, right? You mentioned that you, you, FedEx spans 220 countries. So we talked about a lot of the goodness and the excitement and the positive things, but what are some of the challenges with this size of organization and the geographical diversity uh, posed to you and you want, you want to tackle? I think for the most part, um, you know, the this rollout has been pretty smooth with regards to, you know, the different geographic regions. I think, and I think you're going to run into this with anything, but when you're talking about a global company, there are different 
rules and and things that govern how you know employees are um, monitored or audited. Um, you know, and that and that varies greatly from country to country. So. In that respect, there are things that we as corporate in the United States want to do, but in other countries, that's something that's just not allowed or, you know, so to be able to still try and roll out all of these really cool collaboration tools, yet still stay within the confines of what that country, uh, you know, governs is is tricky. And that's definitely something that, you know, we, we are working around um, quite a bit. Got it. Got it. And then you speak about governance. So there's the regulations and compliance for a country. But from a corporate perspective, what are some of the baseline guidance that you would provide that essentially apply for everyone? What, what's the lowest hanging fruit from a policy perspective or governance perspective that at the very least every single business unit can subscribe to? Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift Happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. I think one thing that was very quickly evident for us, and it's mainly because of how big we are, is the licensing aspect around um, around the O365. Um, you know, there are a million different ways that you can set up your personas and how your licensing model looks. Um, and, and then within each of the personas, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can customize. Um, and, and so I think, you know, if, if any other corporation that's even remotely close to our size, I would say, you know, really understand your user base and try to try to get together personas that will suit your users needs. Right. And that's something right now that we're, we're working through because now that the migration is over, you know, um, learning more about your user base is, is a blessing and it's a curse. Um, so you, the, the assumptions that you make in the beginning, you know, when you roll things out, you know, at a certain point when you have, you know, 261,000 um, people, you're going to migrate. There are certain assumptions that you have to make about your user community, whether it be based on um, country they work in or uh, their job titles or something and make some assumptions and then move forward with the rollout. Um, and I think one of the things that was difficult for us is is just um, being able to accurately put people in the right personas, you know, and that's something that's really difficult to do when you have that many people. Absolutely. And when you think about licensing, a lot of these licensing are designed around feature sets, right? So you think about E3, E5, and then the, even the F1 license, the first line license, it's all around features and not necessarily around what you described, personas or the type of role they fulfill, which maps to the type of tool they need. Exactly. So you talk about migration, it's successful across, and it's really impressive, 261,000 users. And in a lot of customers or people we talk to, 
migration, while it may sound simple, it's not. The larger organization you are, the more challenging it is, especially now where there's a lot of regulations around data and where data should go, how long it should be retained and all that good stuff. You know, SharePoint has been around for a long time and SharePoint is still a core piece of the Office 365 platform. I'm curious, now that you all have migrated, how are you approaching the idea of governing data? I mean, we've talked about adoption, right? People are using it, but then certainly working on content is still a big piece. You, you described how we can co-author documents or PowerPoint. But then how do you think about for things like, okay, let's say the project is done. We don't need the team anymore. What's a policy or how do you handle data? Or there may be certain data that needs to be retained for seven years or 10 years or forever. How does that picture look like? Right. So um, that's something that we are actually really, um, FedEx is very specific on data retention. There are very clear and cut rules around um, what can be saved, what should be saved, how long it should be saved for, what the content is. Um, but so for the most part, for example, um, SharePoint is something, and it, I'm glad you brought that up because when we did our SharePoint migration, we really uncovered how many SharePoint sites were out there that have not been touched in a very long time. And so, you know, in in the migration process, um, we were able to also get people a little bit more educated on what tools to use for what purpose. And so we kind of had a very simple, you know, flow chart, if you will, that says if you want to do this, then Teams would probably be your best application. Or if you want to do this, then a SharePoint site would be would be fine, or perhaps a OneDrive site where you know you share certain folders or documents with a select few people. We were able to you know, also kind of educate our user uh, base on what tools to use for what purpose. But um, in regards to, you know, SharePoint sites becoming stale, uh, we've decided to put to, uh, some controls in place where if we see that site being inactive for, I think it was more than a year, is what uh, the controls that we decided to put around it, um, it would ping the SharePoint site owner to say, you know, haven't touched your site in over a year, do you still need it? If not, we're going to we're going to shut it down. And that helps from, you know, just the millions of unused sites that that, you know, just go there to to never be touched again. Um, and so that kind of helps us clean our environment and, and keep things relevant. That's why I tell people I, I tell people, you know, especially if you're moving Office 365, it's a great time to do uh, housekeeping, housekeeping yes. right? It's like moving, absolutely. It's like moving houses. Like when you move house, uh, you realize, oh, I didn't realize I have so much stuff. It's a great time to donate it, get rid of it, and then there's absolutely. And then there's always this group of people who are hoarders, right? Well, just in case. Yep, and we had those too. Absolutely, we did. And you know, we we basically put everybody into one of three categories, right? Um, we did a uh, an automated migration, so. Luckily, most most of folks fell into that group, um, and then there was the group that never responded, and we just you know went ahead and shut them down. And then we had the third group, which had you know some real complex um, connectors. In you know they had somebody come and uh, develop something in their SharePoint site, right? Um, like custom and apps, those yeah. would not right exactly custom apps and things like that, and those would not uh, be able to be migrated with the uh, factory migration. So um, unfortunately, those folks, we told them, you know, you, you got to migrate yourself. 
But in doing so, people really started to second guess, do I really need the site anymore, right? Because we did it in such a short period of time. And, you know, there was a little bit more heartburn with that migration. But, um, you know, but we're done. We've turned off the old. And, you know, those folks that realized, hey, you know, we we didn't migrate it and we're still operating. We're still okay. Um, you know, they've also come to the realization that, Hey, maybe we didn't need it. Um, and a lot of them have moved to, to using team sites. So that's awesome. I mean, considering how big your organization is, I've talked to a lot of companies that are much smaller and they're still kind of stuck on this analysis paralysis around migration, right? Well, you don't understand ducks. We have two petabytes of data and how do we move all this? I said, you don't. (laughs) Exactly. You don't, We basically get, Gave people three choices, and you know, I, like I said, the, the, there was there was some heartburn there, but I think in the end, it was a good house cleaning exercise. We got rid of old SharePoint sites that weren't needed. People discovered, hey, they liked Teams better anyway. Um, and you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like m- m- the majority of people don't use SharePoint in the way that SharePoint was actually designed to be used in the first place. It's an amazing tool. And it's great um, if you use it for what it was intended for in the first place. But if you 100%. use it as just a document repository, then, you know, which is how it gets used most of the time. I'm sure you never got the whole, I don't like how SharePoint looks. Make it pretty, customized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and that's the thing. What I love about Teams, like you said, is people get it, right? Like you don't even have to say, well, you know what? Teams is actually made up of SharePoint, Office 365 groups. No, no, just say Teams. We tech folks just deal with the tech stuff you just tell people use teams create a team and you start working right and, and exactly that, they have no idea this sharepoint no. actually sits behind it but no. we don't need we don't no. need to tell them that right no. <laughs> don't talk about SharePoint. no sharepoint so. <laughs> <laughs> so how widely adopted is it now so is everybody using it or you're still growing the usage of teams what what's what's next in the pipeline for you so right now i think the last time we looked at the team's usage um I want to say we we do hit about ninety thousand users, and now that's across two hundred and sixty one thousand users. However, we also have users that have um, a kiosk license, so they're basically web mail and done. So you're talking about users that probably would not be using Teams anyway. No, um, so I would say that ninety thousand is. A really good number, um, considering the amount of um, knowledge worker licenses that we have, right? Like F1, E3, E5, um, and I and I really want to continue to grow that number. There's, um, you know, there's whole countries that I, I can see that have not um, quite adopted it as, you know, readily as as the U.S. has. So, um, I think you know my next steps are to kind of find out why and see if there's a way that we can kind of help them, um, you know, because we, we have this tool already. It, it's ours. We've purchased it. So now we want people to use it. And have you seen because of Teams, um, Shadow IT is minimizing? No matter how much we don't want to admit it, there's still folks out there relying on consumer technologies. And I'm not saying those are better off or worse off, but again, it's disconnected, right? So as a result of using Teams, uh, are you seeing tangibly people aren't you know, using other tools? Yeah, I, I do believe that. Um, there's a specific group um, that we just weren't sure whether they were going to 
adopt teams or not, just because they were a highly technical group. Um, and, you know, those folks are a little bit more uh, difficult to please than the average user. And what really surprised us uh, is that they loved it. Great. They said they tried a lot of different other different tools and and team was the one that enabled them to start a meeting right away. You don't have to schedule it. Um, you can, you know, code at the same time, basically. Um, and just, you know, the collaboration features within Teams was exactly what they were looking for. And they didn't even realize they, they had it right in front of them. And fantastic. And, and I assume, you know, you talked about success stories earlier and the stories like this. Somehow you summarize it on a consistent and regular basis and, and report it upstream to leadership, right? And put some kind of metric, look, this is our growth. Uh, this is the ROI. And how, how do you consistently do that? Because you want to prove that this is actually valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with us it, in this particular situation, it was actually very easy because our leadership really was excited about teams. Oh, God. So they themselves use it quite heavily. Um, and I think that that leadership, you know, support and, and, and championing this, this migration really helped, um, the migration, you know, move smoothly because, you know, you're getting support from your senior leadership, um, as well as folks that are, you know, boots on the ground that are excited about using it and sharing with their peer colleagues, you know, how they use it. Um, and so when it, when you've got that excitement from, you know, the top level, um, it, it makes it very easy. And, um, you know, we're, we're constantly, um, I think when we hit the 90,000 mark, uh, we shared that, you know, with our leadership and, you know, they're excited about it. So that gets reported up as well. This is such a great story. And, and if you think about it, you got there 10 months ago with this, all this progress in large organization, this is not uh, an easy feat. So before we wrap up, Jess, what's, a word of advice, maybe two tips that you'd like to share for folks listening to us as they start this journey, especially as they start using Microsoft Teams. What are some of the quick wins that you would recommend so they can gain that adoption uh, as quick and as effective as you have? Um, I, I would say, number one, you, you really want to get your senior leadership involved and get them to champion this Um you know, the, when when they're excited about the change, and when they're, you know, throwing it out during the town halls that they have, and they're 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 connect, um, it, it makes everybody else kind of excited about the change as well, right? Um, and so I, I definitely think that that is very key. And in our in our case, we had that already; they were very excited about it. So, um, and then I think you know, just really good end user communication in several different formats. So email alone isn't going to do it. A lot of people just read it from the title and just delete it. Um, but, you know, things like pop-up banners. Um, we had lunch and learns with some key groups of people that we thought would really get a lot of benefit out of Teams. So, for example, the, uh, the VP admins and the director admins they had a lunch and learn. They had a couple different lunch and learns where uh, some of our uh, folks went and did a training session where, you know, they got to ask questions and say, well, how about, you know, if I want to do this, how would I do that? And, you know, you're, you're sitting amongst your peers who do the same thing you do. So 
there are other people nodding their head in the audience saying, yeah, I want to know that too. Um, and, and those types of sessions, I think, really were helpful because, um, you know, with anything that you roll out, right, your end users are always thinking, how is that going to affect me? Or how does that benefit exactly. me? Or how does that change how I sure. do things? So that kind of, um, you know, in a sense, it's a little bit of a white glove treatment. But I think it's so necessary. And, you know, once those admins were excited about it, it you know, it, it, it kind of propagates from there, right? Absolutely. And, and it's more personalized, right? And it's more relevant to their day in, day out versus here's a team, here's a channel, here's a tab, click here. But then you shift it around their day in the life. Okay, I'm doing this uh, process around booking rooms or expenses or whatever. How can I do it better here versus sending email and Excel files? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, another thing that our user community really likes, and I think it's just this day and age, but we develop um, these one, two minute videos. And they are basically videos that say, how do I how do I set up a new Teams channel? How do I invite people to my Teams channel? How do I make it private? You know, and there's just, nowadays people don't want to read through a PDF document to figure out how to do something. They want to watch a quick video. Right. And so with our creative team, we've got some really creative people that make these videos fun and funny and interesting sure. and relevant. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that also helps as well, but that's all part of your, your communication. Absolutely. And, and videos are so powerful. We, we produce these videos on LinkedIn called chew and chat where every week I eat something and I talk about how it relates to teams or office 365. People love it. <laughs> food. Like who doesn't love food, right? Absolutely. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a, it's a common feature that, you know, you can bring everybody together around. Well, Jess, it's been an amazing and awesome conversation. I'm sure everybody enjoyed your amazing story. I can't wait to see you at Shift Happens Conference in Washington, D.C. this June. For our listeners, what do you think? Make sure you leave a comment. Until the next time. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AppPoint, Inc., produced and edited by the AppPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.